Says, get that India, big boy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Tip Sheet. My name's John, although I'm perhaps better known as 4020, and joining me as always is my sidekick and uh, the most important member of the gruesome twosome, I suppose, in 60s. How's it going, mate? Oh, good, mate. And it's, I think it's appropriate that you use the word gruesome there to describe us. <laughs> <laughs> we may not be the the, uh, the the most attractive fellas going around, but, we, you know, we get by, we get by. Um, and just uh, on the uh, hello front, as well as saying hello to all of our listeners, uh, an extra special hello to... Star Partners Real Estate at Parramatta, who's joined, they've joined the Cumberland Throw, and we welcome them uh, to TCT and to the tip sheet and uh, thank them for their support. Uh, now, 60s, it's a huge weekend coming up for the Parramatta Reels. We've got six grades in action this week, uh, starting with the mats at 10 o'clock at Cabramatta, New Era Stadium, and it concludes with the NRL kicking off at 7.30pm at Penrith. Consequently, we'll begin with our junior reps preview, and we've got a special guest courtesy of the Parramatta Reels and the Paraleagues Club. He's a man who'll be in the thick of the action this week, and it's none other than the Eels Elite Pathways Coaching Director, Joey Grimer. Joey, mate, thanks for joining TCT. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation, and uh, looking very forward to continuing this continued uh, partnership. Yes, mate, we'll be speaking on a weekly basis going forward, so that's fantastic. And I think next week we'll need to have the theme music for you all, all beat up. Any uh, Any suggestions, mate? Um, something from a um, uh, anything any band from the eighties, the Hair Bear bands, um, Bon Jovi, uh, Did a Poison, something like that. Something that yeah, uh, that's some fine taste. Yeah, yeah, a bit of cheap tricks, something like that. Or anything could go a long way in that era. Oh, so we can put a line through the Nolan Sisters. Yeah, just, Rama, that sort of stuff. Yeah, Banana Rama, more Hair Bear, um, you know, hairspray bands. <laughs> uh, okay, mate. Well, look, um, just into into a few things we'd like to talk to you about. Uh, we've had a couple of buys last round in the the mats and the ball, but so let's just cu- jump back a couple of weeks. Our mats and balls teams uh, rebounded from their first round losses to record wins over the Bears in absolutely awful conditions. What was your take on the form in the wet? Yeah, I thought that both teams, um, when I'm talking about both teams, the Harold Matthews and the SG Ball team, and they actually controlled and played to the conditions relatively well. I think uh, both our squads, um, their kicking game, they kicked early on tackles and, and turned North Sydney around. And you guys were there. You saw how atrocious uh, the conditions were. Uh, the funniest thing I've seen in a long time is where um, it was that wet and the lines were... Um, very faint that one of the players caught the ball oh. on the first tackle and ran out by six or seven metres. That was our poor so, Junior Wright, wasn't it? Yeah, Junior Wright. Um, <laughs> so those conditions were, were really poor uh, to play in, but the North Sydney had to play in it too. So um, we were really impressed with the way that the halves in particular control the kicking game in such difficult conditions. Um, so that was the pleasing part for us. And with our Harold Matthews uh, squad, they were able to maintain and uh, get ahead and convincingly uh, beat North Sydney on the back of their kicking game. However, with the SG ball, it was 
Um, whilst they had a, a reasonable kicking game, turning the defence around, our discipline uh, or lack thereof uh, was the issue for the ball, just getting home, winning by two points. That's it, mate. Now, I've seen your wizardry on the training paddock at work, mate. And for those that don't know, Joe Grimer is a little bit of a MacGyver when it comes to preparation for the players. But I want to know, is it possible to prepare your, your charges for playing on that sort of waterlogged field? Yes and no. I, I, I think you, when you get into this uh, level of, of rugby league, this elitism um, of, you know, your Tasha Gale, your Harold Matthews Cup and your, your SD Ball Cup, these boys are pretty experienced and they would have played in a, a number of conditions. So you learn how to play effectively. Um, so that in the back of your mind gives you an onset or a plan in conjunction with what your coach um, um, would like to execute. Things like, you know, turning your team around, kicking early, um, staying away from the sidelines. In those sort of conditions, you tend to play through the middle third. There's less lateral passing. There's less tackles and runs made on your edges. So I think that formulates in a number of things. One, it mitigates the error rate in such difficult circumstances. Um, we've all seen someone makes a good tackle and the book, because the ball is a little bit greasy or slippery, um, it, it pops out. So there are things that you would do differently on a dry track, certainly that you, would, you wouldn't do on a wet track. And they're just two examples. And, and just on that and talking about set completions, they, that was a problem area in the first round. And really became uh, difficult to achieve at some key moments um, and probably didn't help the results. I thought there was improvements in those wet conditions in the second round. So how does a coach work on something like set completions? One of the things that our coaches do particularly well is provide information or feedback to our players in um, review and preview. But we'll go to the, uh, the former in the uh, preview. Um, a lot of our coaches are very good in demonstrating to our players the areas that we need to fix up from the previous week or previous weeks. So uh, that's one area where the coach would use the information um, and go through it from a visual point of view to the players. Uh, some players would understand post-game if you're talking orally, uh, you know, through the dressing rooms or whatever. But once you get them back after their game, whether they played well, won or played poorly and lost, um, to get them back in that room, to get them a better understanding of um, what didn't work well or what they need to improve on. That's one of the biggest and key areas. You can do a lot of uh, skill-based training on the field, um, you know, um, to get ready for a match or to fix up some areas that you weren't too clinical on. However, the, the way that our club or our coaches use information technology and vision um, really gives us a great opportunity to ensure that the players from a visual aspect understand what they um, should be doing as part of the plan and part of our, um, you know, idiosyncrasies of our club. So that's the, the greatest tool that we have is sitting down individually um, and with part team and collectively 
in with a group and just going through the areas which we need to maintain and some areas that we need to continue to improve on. Yeah, good insight there, Joey. Now, um, the Mats and Ball teams had their bye last week, and I know with the NRL, it varies from coach to coach, but oftentimes you'll see their full-time players get something of a mini holiday. For the junior reps, how does their training schedule change with the bye? Yeah, that's a real good question. And, and um, The NRL program and the junior rep program is nothing in parallel. Um, the NRL play uh, many, many weeks, exactly. where our program is only over a nine-week program. So, in fact, the week off gives us an opportunity to recoup from the bumps and bruises, but the intensity level doesn't drop. It actually increases that week. It's a real good opportunity to look after our bumps and bruises, but it's also an opportunity that we can top up our conditioning level. Um, It's come at a reasonable time. It's not at the end. It's just before the halfway line. So it's a real good time for us. So uh, we would go the other way, 40s. We would actually increase our intensity level um, whilst, you know, recovering from the bumps and bruises that we would have normally received if we would play on a Saturday. Um, In light of the uh, SG Ball program, um, we obviously um, had a buy this week and we decided to push some of our SG Ball players that haven't been getting much time in our regular 18-spot selection process with our 19s program and we elevated them to play into the Jersey flag trial against the Dragons last Thursday. So the players that were selected, as I said, didn't or haven't haven't had much time um, on the field in the first two or three rounds with our SG ball. So it's an opportunity to see them play against older players to state their case and also just to give them a little bit of on-field conditioning as well. The players that did not um, play up in the Jersey flag trial would have trained in a smaller concentrated group with, uh, you know, the intensity level um, being raised. Now, just going on to um, the Tasha Gale girls, we've been talking about the the boys uh, for a bit now. Um, At the start of the pre-season with the selection trials, there was uh, quite a lot of uh, girls that turned up for the uh, Tasha Gale trials, and we ended up with um, quite a new, uh, well, a number of new girls that uh, were uh, joining the team. And first couple of rounds, the energy levels were very good despite the losses. But last weekend, they had an uncharacteristically low level of energy against the Dragon, and, and that really ended up being reflected on the scoreboard. It's obviously pretty hard to change during a game. So what can be done to change those energy levels coming into the next round? You know, 60s, you touched on a point there, and it's ironic that you mentioned that the levels of enthusiasm and energy were low. Uh, Ryan Walker, the head coach of the uh, Tashigawa program, uh, had challenged, him and his staff had challenged the girls all that week to... Um, beat the opposition on energy. And that was one of the focus areas that Ryan and his staff concentrated on last week. Um, And it's disappointing um, not only to be beat 40 nil uh, by the Dragons, but it's disappointing that um, that challenge wasn't accepted by most of the young ladies 
Um, that's the disappointing thing for me. And with respect to the Dragons, we feel that uh, when we played round one, when the game was in the balance against West Tigers, we feel the West Tigers were probably a, a, a better side um, in, in most areas than the Dragons uh, that we played last week. Um, and that's the disappointing part. I guess what we've done or what Ryan and his staff have done, um, obviously uh, with a loss that uh, that sizable, he's made a number of changes, bringing in some, some players that uh, will bring um, or will be challenged to bring that energy or that um, excitement that you spoke about before. Um, now we're playing a, a very, very good Illawarra side who have a lot of um, uh, ladies with high reputations in this space um, and we're going to have to be good um, all on the field but one area that Ryan's really going to push for particularly with those new people uh, new ladies coming into the program is their enthusiasm and energy in the 60s yeah and it's and um, just getting back on that you mentioned about um, the how you rated the West Tigers team and in round one the the ladies had put themselves into a position in the second half to win that one. And it was a, a very uh, tough contest. Um, so I, I can understand that, that level of disappointment because the Tigers have gone on. They've won every game that they've played since then. So uh, I imagine that would have uh, been disappointing to, to have such encouraging signs and, and then that drop off last week. You're exactly right. Sixties, not only, um, in the first round, did our uh, young ladies have an opportunity to seize the two points? Our SG Ball and Harold Matthews were in front. Every team were in front with uh, 10 to 15 minutes to go. So our lack of uh, resilience, our lack of discipline, our lack of uh, rugby league awareness um, led us down significantly. But going back to the ladies, that's the disappointing part. We played such a great game against what we think is going to be a, a top four side, the West or the Balmain Tigers in Natasha Gale. And we haven't bounced back um, from or played like that, in particular against the Dragons. Our completion rate was awful. Our possession rate was awful. Um, and it do doesn't, doesn't surprise me that they put a big score on us. In saying that, however, 60s, um, I know the coaching staff work ridiculously hard um, to in every week leading up into every game. And the young ladies have not trained um, to significant... Uh, to, to, uh, the ladies haven't trained in a way that would represent them getting beat 40 points. And even when I went to training last night, um, they spoke of what they need to do, what they need to get right. Their attitude was great. They took everything on board. They're a wonderful young group of ladies, but their character will be tested uh, this week when they take on the Steelers. So and I think they demonstrated in the first couple of weeks uh, um, that there's some, some really good skill levels within the girls in the team. There's a lot of skill. There's a good size. Um, there's various pace. Um, but one of the things that um, really excite me about this, this, this group of young ladies is that they're relatively inexperienced in this elite female space, but they're all willing to learn and they're all willing to buy in. 
Um, they were just caught on a uh, bad day. We're hoping it's a bad day. And um, what they were challenged on, their energy, but that was our number one priority, uh, was certainly not their, their number one priority. So um, we'll be looking, or Ryan and his staff will be looking to change that around uh, this week um, on Saturday. And speaking of the girls, they'll be the uh, second act on Saturday morning following the Harold Matthews. And it's going to be a massive day for the Eels with their sort of triple threat homestand at New Era. Obviously, that must be an exciting day for everyone at the club. Um, we've spoken to you about your responsibilities on game day off the mic um, in the past. We know that it's a, a busy day for you normally. Um, how does the, the sort of the, the triple homestand uh, at New Era change things for you? Does it make things easier or harder in terms of managing all the stuff? It actually makes it easier for um, the staff, the game day staff, and the support staff and the NRL staff. Um, we're often playing at a, at a number of locations, which means your resources and uh, your staff are stretched. However, being at the one venue, it means that you don't have to double up on the gear and you've got adequate staff, so you don't have to work as hard because there will be two or three people um, dressing up the room and dressing down the room. So from that aspect, it's a it's easier logistically um, in doing their monitoring, uh, post-match recovery, snacks, substances, mm-hmm. um, hydration, all that can be done at the one venue instead of, as I said before, um, splitting up your staff and your resources to cover two locations. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's our first one this year, and I've, I'm really hoping that our Harold Matthews can get us off to a flying winning start into the female program and into our under-19s SG ball. On a side note to that, Joey, um, is what, what's the process for the Eels unifying all three grades for home games when possible moving forwards? Because I think it only happens twice for us this year. Is that correct? That's correct. We only get two and um, 40s. I don't know what the process is, but it's the, the draw is driven by New South Wales Rugby League. And from a logistical point of view, I can only imagine how difficult would that be. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've got um, a different amount of SG ball um, um, teams in the competition. We've got different teams participating yeah. in our Harold Matthews That's the, Cup the big program. Sort of, the, That's the big correct. juggle, isn't it? Where you got yeah. it's not a ba- the competitions aren't balanced with the same amount no. of teams. And equally uh, with Natasha Gale, uh, we only have a limited amount of teams, so coordinating them. Um, doing the draw uh, must be a nightmare, but obviously we would love to play uh, all three grades uh, in front of each other, whether they were home and away. Mm-hmm. From a logistical point of view, it would be uh, easy easier to ma- uh, to manage. And two, the uh, you know the, the stakeholder management between the young men and young ladies at the one club uh, would would make it greater, and there would be a greater network of support. Not from only the players in each each program, but their parents, their their relatives coming to support um, Parramatta. That would be great, but I don't don't think it's going to be a realistic proposition because of the different levels and the different amount of teams in the three respective competitions. Finally, mate, a couple of weeks ago we attended the mats and ball uh, jersey presentations, and that was special for us. And we want to thank you for that invitation. Um, but more importantly, what does something like that for, mean for the players to have Murata Nukore speak to the group and hand out those jerseys to them? 
Yeah, it's um, it's something that we've done relatively well uh, since I've been here. Even earlier when I started as a coach with the junior reps, we've also we've always encouraged a player to come down and issue or provide the jerseys at the last training session the week before the first round. We found it to 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 cover a number of areas now, two in particular. These players that the players receive their jerseys from are their heroes and they want to be or play at that level. And we all know that they they physically can't. It's not a possibility. But to dream and to, to, to receive that jumper um, off that person who is playing at that optimum level is a, um, a memory that they can keep for life. And it was decided that uh, Murata Nukore would come down and issue the jerseys for our Harold Matthews and the SG Ball. The reason that I thought it would be a good fit is because we have a number of our Pacifica players in our junior league and in our elite pathways program. And the story of Murata Nukore coming over from New Zealand, away from his family four years ago, working hard, manufacturing an opportunity, Brad Arthur giving him an opportunity and him taking that opportunity, it resonates with a lot of those young men because that's where they are now. Well, some of these boys are, yes, local, but some of these boys have been brought in to our club from regional areas, from other countries. So the story of Murata Nakore is not so much different to a Brock Parker, for example. The difference is um, a Brock Parker comes from a, a remote or a rural area in the North Coast um, and Murata comes from New Zealand. Both of them have to move away from their family. Both are given an opportunity. Both of them are working extremely hard. So for, for them, for the players, um, it's seen such an honour because they're receiving something that they appreciate from uh, one of their idols, uh, someone that's gone through what they are going through. Now, the ladies, because we don't have an NRLW squad, um, we felt that Mike Acevo would be someone that would be fantastic to provide the jerseys to our Tasha Gale squad. They obviously train on different nights. So we organised uh, Mike Acevo to provide or um, uh, issue the jerseys out to the ladies and who wouldn't be impressed with Mike Acevo um, presenting you your first ever female jersey for, you know, the Tasha Gale Cup program. He's quite a shy uh, type of person, but the way that he respects um, and, and loves the game of rugby league was important that in our decision process to get him down there because whilst the uh, females don't have uh, the profile or they don't have the uh, elite pathways um, that our uh, younger men have, what they do have is a lot more excitement and enjoyment. And I thought that's why Micah would be fantastic for them. Um, uh, my understanding was that when Micah gave the jerseys out, some of the girls became quite emotional. Uh, one, because it's uh, Micah Sebo, and two, some of them were getting their first Parramatta jersey ever. So it, it, it says a lot about um, um, them gives, giving the jerseys out to our players. The second point I want to make is that and something that I found, the player gets a lot out of providing the jersey 
to the players. It's seen, and I would hope they appreciate, the honour or the, the opportunity for them being identified as a role model to issue the jerseys out to our young men and women before our round one. So they're the two biggest points. And um, walking away from that, Murata and I spoke and um, I explained to him, I don't think you understand the level of um, respect that you have from our younger players, in particular the Pacifica guys, um, because of who you are and what you've done. And you've done it very, very hard. And it's been a lot different than a lot of other people. So they're the two things that uh, we find, um, the players getting the benefit, but also the player that's issuing the jersey getting a little bit of the benefit too and understanding where they fit in our whole club structure within the Eels, not just the junior reps or the NRL, but with the Eels. Just a couple of observations that I wanted to make with that as well, Joey, and I think just to emphasise that point a bit more about that level of respect was when Murata was speaking to each group, you could hear a pin drop. Just the and just and you could see the, and I was looking around at some of the faces and the players and uh, you, you could see um, that this is a, a, a player that they have great respect and awe for. And, and uh, the other thing too was I wanted to congratulate the captains for the way they spoke and, and thanked Murata for coming down and making those presentations. I, I thought that the, the way they um, responded on the spot and were able to um, to give those thanks, so I thought it was outstanding. Thanks, mate. And um, a, a lot of our club, a lot of our um, staff are really big on the respect and courteousness of all our players. And I'm sure it's no different to any other NRL club. We've got some wonderful, wonderful young men and women um, who are talented off on the field. But one thing that I'm seeing uh, more of is the level of uh, respect and just the level of courtesy expressed to our club uh, toward, um, you know, being grateful for the opportunities being put before them. So I'm, I really appreciate that acknowledgement and I'll pass that on to our captains. And um, um, just on a further note, it was great that you and, and Forties were able to come inside our little inner sanctum uh, because it gave you a perspective uh, as to someone that doesn't see what happens behind the scenes. And I'm sure you can appreciate and understand the level of prof- professionalism mm-hmm. um, at, at uh, most clubs, but certainly uh, the level of expectation and professionalism at our mighty eels. Well, I must say that, and I'm sure... Um, that 40 feels the same way as me, but um, just having a look at the presentation that was um, given to the players by the, by um, we got to sit in on the SG ball, um, the um, the tip sheet and the uh, video breakdown. Yeah, that bit of a name drop there. That was, <laughs> that was an amazing uh, insight to uh, be a part of that and to look at the level of preparation that goes into uh, the team and the opposition analysis was, it was brilliant. Yeah, we're very blessed with the staff we have. Sometimes we don't get it right all the time on the field, but the level of detail that our coaches, all our coaches and all our staff go to, um, they can put their head on the pillow at each Friday afternoon, evening, and say that they've ticked off and they've done their job. The rest is up to the players. 
So, um, oh, and, um, and just just on that too, um, uh, from what even though there was a first round loss, it, everything that we saw in the SG Ball presentation that Craig Brennan uh, indicated was going to happen in the game, where the opportunities were, how the Seagulls were going to play the game, everything basically played out exactly as he said that it would in the presentation of the players. So, um, yeah, it was it was great insight for us because it was like literally watching it all unfold as it was predicted to unfold. And as I said, I'm glad you guys came in there because that gave you a, um, a look at or an uh, opportunity to see something and be a part of something that not many people are. And you could imagine the level of detail, in particular at our club here at Parramatta with uh, Brad and his staff, um, that goes up exponentially um, to another level. But, yes, um, we're very, very lucky at our, at our joint with the staff that we have at the moment, 60s, because of their care, their preparation and level of detail. Mate, I really appreciate you joining us this week. Um, we're looking forward to that continuing for the rest of the uh, junior representative season. Hopefully and, down um, to the finals as well. It'd be great. And I think we've occupied enough of your time today, Joe, because I know you are a busy man and I don't mean that lightly. Um, so, you know, on behalf of all of TCT and all our listeners, we'd like to thank you sincerely for coming on board today and for everything moving forwards. Yeah, it's, it's great being here on this podcast. Uh, you guys do a fabulous job in promoting um, the Parramatta Reels uh, at all levels. And uh, I really look forward to continuing, providing a little bit of an insight and an update and um, more information to you and your listeners. And just on that 40s and 60s, if I could just encourage anyone that is not doing too much on a Saturday um, to get out to New Era Stadium, our Harold Matthews kickoff at 10, our Tasha kickoff at 12, and our SG ball at 2 o'clock. And uh, equal, if you can't get out to there, uh, we've got uh, our, our most senior junior rep grade, our jersey flag taking on the Panthers Saturday afternoon. So um, for you guys, Thank you for your support, and I look forward to uh, catching up with you next week. And we'll see you on the weekend, Joey. Keep well, champ. Thanks, guys. Go the Eels. All right, so let's power through these junior rep previews on Saturday morning, and things will kick off, like we said, with the Harold Matthews at 10 o'clock. They'll be playing the Illawarra Steelers. Uh, The Harold Matthews have some changes this week with Orfag Mino, Genesis Talangi Sawala, and Raphael Destratus, the twin brother of Dom, coming into the lineup. Uh, dropping out as Jacob John, Big Suliasi Aho, and Tyrese Lakeni. So I think they're mostly unchanged across the starting lineup. I'm just checking here. The back line's the same. Uh, starting pack is the same. So it's just across the bench and the extended bench with uh, Mavetti Ututa on the uh, 18th uh, man spot there and Raf Genesis and uh, sorry, Raf and Genesis coming into the uh, bench with uh, Aho being replaced by Cooper Sinclair from the bench. So that explains that one there. Um, for the Tasha Gale, um, they too have got three changes, so I'm um, keeping consistent there. Um, so Danielle Keller, Lucy Whitehead, and Quinn McAvey are in. Hannah McFadden, Jacinta Tui, and Martha Fua are out. Um, I think they've actually tweaked the roster as well because I think Amina Khan just come in from the bench to the starting fullback spot. Uh, Lucy Whitehead's got the number 18, but she's in the starting centres. Um, I think Danielle Keller's new on the wing as well. So they're obviously tweaking the formula after that rough day at the office last week against the Dragons, which is expected. And they too will be facing the Steelers. Um, and that kicks off at 12 o'clock. And then in the SG Ball, which kicks off at 2, 
Um, they've got four changes, but there are no outs. It's all adding to the extended bench as Daniel Reardon, Drew Lloyd, Keanu Wright, then Robin, and Kylan Mafoa all join that extended roster. So they're actually fielding 22 players in a rugby union sort of lineup there. Um, so a very long uh, reserves list, and it'll be interesting to see who drops off on game day. Um, anything jump out there for you, mate? Look, I think the main take that I have is that this is an opportunity for ourselves and uh, TCT followers to have a have a look at three grades in action. It's um, and I think following our talk uh, to with Joey that. When you've got three grades in action like that, it, it almost harks back to the old days of um, back in Jack Gibson's era. He used to train the three grades together so that the people that are involved in the pathways, no matter what team they're in, they felt a part of the larger organisation, felt a part of the Eels. And I think that days like this, where you've got three grades in action, it all goes a long way towards that. Exactly, mate. And um, that whole, you know, sort of making the journey inclusive has been a big part of the uh, the mission for the Parramatta Reels, um, you know, unifying the grades from the junior reps to the flag to the um, Canterbury Cup all the way through the first grade. So it's always cool to see these kids, you know, boys and girls now, uh, walk the path towards a first grade uh, career. Alrighty. So um, before we jump into the, uh, the major preview, um, there is Jersey Flag and Canterbury Cup action, but we're sort of uh, devoid of any real team lists there. Um, I do want to give a quick shout-out to the club. There's a, a three-minute video for the uh, Dragons trial that happened last Thursday, um, giving you some insider access to uh, what Brad Arthur was uh, coaching the boys up on before, during, and after the game. So um, very cool stuff in the media department there. Um, and who's the who's the young lad that was behind it, we think? Uh, who's your mate? Yeah, that'd be Louis from Eels Media. Yeah, he's so... Eight, um, he's new to the club, and he's got... Uh, a strong background in in creating digital content, yeah. and I think we're starting to see some of the evidence of um, his his um, creativity. Yeah, so shout that, out to Louis because he's produced some banging content that's been dropping on the social media platforms, and now the main website for that full access behind scenes video. So um, be sure to hit that up because you want to see you know those sort of initiatives rewarded with a bit of a spotlight from the fans. And mate, I believe that. Louis does come to us having spent a bit of time down with the NRL creating video content, digital content down there. And just on having that access all areas available to Eels fans, it follows on previously from when Brad Arthur allowed the cameras behind the scenes in the game against Manly. I think it was the last round 2019. And what you're actually seeing is a bit of an insight into BA's relationship with the players, how he speaks. It, I don't believe that he was any different to how he normally would have been because you actually witnessed that there were some, uh, probably some expletives that were taken out <laughs> when he was talking to them. So he's probably talking to them and as, it, as you It's would in line with the Brad Arthur that we've seen both as you know members of TCT and as fans in general. He's just, you know... Straight to the point, you know, no bullshit. You know, tell the players as it is. Absolutely, and you, many a player has spoken about the fact that that is what they like about Brad. And you saw that in that particular instance, he had a lot of young players that were there, so he was settling their nerves. He was just talking to them as he would normally talk to them. And I thought that 
went a long way towards us seeing what we saw from the team, all those young ones, that it was a calm... Yeah, they certainly responded to the way Brad was speaking to them, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, it was great vision, and uh, let's look forward to more uh, behind-the-scenes content as the year goes on. All righty. So on to the Pen of Trial, which will be the uh, showcase event on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Uh, like I said before, there will be Flag and Canterbury Cup games before, and we'll see guys from the Canterbury Cup game, and may, probably not the Flag game, given that we're going to see a lot of those guys, the, the premier young talent in Canterbury Cup, and then probably backing up into the back end of the NRL game. Um, but we haven't got an official team list yet. This is uh, sort of 2 o'clock right now uh, on Wednesday, um, as we record, so we're waiting for the team which to drop any time now or maybe tomorrow. So uh, Sixes and I sort of put together a, a bit of a rough team list based on what we think will be uh, turning out for the Eels, right, mate? Yeah, and I don't think there's going to be too many suggestions with our team that's going to differ to what other people will be expecting. So just running through it, uh, Gutherson at fullback, Sivo and Ferguson on the wings, now, one little proviso there might be whether Fergo shares a spot with Hayes Dunster because Blake Ferguson had a full game last week. Yeah, with the All-Stars game. All-Star. Yeah. So it, it might be that he does, you know, half a game. You know, I'm only speculating there. Uh, Opachik and Wonga Blake in the centres. Opachik having been confirmed to have won that centre spot this week in the media. I think it was actually Hayes, amusingly, that conceded the, uh, the battle for the spot in a, a, a presser with the DT, I think. Yeah. So um, Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses in the halves. Uh, Junior and RCG as the props. Reed Marnie, dummy half. Lane and Madison in the back row. And Nathan Brown uh, locking the scrum. And I think we can expect to see the likes of Papali'i, Kalfusi, Hipgrave, and uh, probably Joey Lussick on the bench. Maybe uh, Hayes Dunster named on the bench as well. We do have some question marks as to whether um, Ray Stone and um, uh, Nathaniel Roach will be included this week. They both missed last week's trial, and I'm not really sure what their status is about whether they'll be uh, participating in this week's trial. So that's where we maybe have a little bit of a, a question mark there. I expect to see that um, the other players who are part of the full-time squad will get a uh, a run in the um, Canterbury Cup trial. My thinking there is that any that BA or um, the coaches want to have a look at, they can bring them on for the last quarter. Yeah, so, of the so often we'll trial. see the last 20 minutes, maybe even half an hour, depending on what the flow of the game is like. Uh, they start trickling in the young guys or the prospects. I think last year we saw Jake Arthur and Sean Russell get a run. Is that right? Am I yeah, but that was that was actually in the um, uh, Reggie's trial. Yeah, at yeah, there you go. Rose. Yeah. But um, so, so but this was, year you can young yeah. you can expect to see some of those young guys. Uh, you know, Dave Hollis, um, aforementioned Russell and Arthur, and maybe someone like Solomon and Naiduki, Naiduki or. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, Will Penasini. Will, Will Penasini. Yeah. yeah. So all, all those young guys, and we're, we're missing a few here too because there's a whole whole crop of them in there, but um, they'll get a run. And yeah, so it, it'll be our first look at the starters. It'll be our only look at the starters before kickoff. 
Um, but coming into the season, there weren't that many question marks over the team. Obviously, who replaced Michael Jennings was probably the biggest uh, storyline of the preseason, and that looks to have been won by Tom Opachuk. Uh, and on top of that, with the injury to Bryce Cartwright, I don't think there's too much mystery over the edge now. I think it's going to be Sean Lane's spot to lose, um, pending Bryce's health You know, moving into the season. I think he's out. He got a pretty bad uh, uh, break of the jaw there. I think he's out for as long as you can be out for a, a jaw. So you know, it's going to be a tough road back for Bryce. But I, uh, I think um, uh, that mark of around uh, six weeks tends to be what they're talking about. So that's maybe well. The there's confu- there's confusion over to whether the they were specifying round six or if they meant six weeks because the way they worded it initially was round six. This was the media, not the Eels. Um, yeah, and so round six would have been another two, three weeks from the actual injury, plus the six weeks of the season, which is as close to a worst case scenario for a draw as possible. If it's actually only six weeks, then he's back for rounds three or four, which is you know huge positive for both Bryce and the Eels. Yeah, and he was, I had him down as close to a certainty to being on the bench for round one, and especially more so with Murata not being available. Yes, and. Um, has it has it actually been clarified whether Murata is eligible to eligible to play in the trial? Yeah, I think I'm not sure. Uh, the the trial that they've changed the rules on trial so many times in recent years that I actually have lost track. So it used to be you could make the trial count towards your NRL suspension. That's no longer the case, obviously, which is why Murata won't be eligible for round one selection. Um, I don't know if you have to apply for dispensation to trial. I think he can trial, but don't quote me on that. So, uh, I would I would expect him to play on Saturday, and and this is the problem that we're going into a little bit with this podcast in that we're recording the podcast ahead of the team. <laughs> this being really we're shooting so, blind here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, I as I said, I think most people know who they expect to see named. Where basically, in a nutshell, I I think what we're going to see named will be the round one team. Yeah, with the yeah, exactly, exactly. If there's anyone that's carrying an injury, they may not be uh, named this week, but would be named in round one. But I think aside from that, what, you, what you're going to see on Saturday will be very, very close to what you'll see in round one. And in, in their side of things, Penrith have named essentially a full-strength roster as well. Um, they haven't actually named the team sheet, but they've gone um, alphabetically from first names, so they've got Appy Corusau, Brian Toto, Charlie Staines, Dylan Edwards, Isaiah Yo, James Fisher Harris, Jerome Luai, uh, Jermaine Hopgood. That's Jermaine with a no A and an, an apostrophe. So there you go. Uh, Kurt Capewell, Liam Martin, Matt Burton, Matt Eisenhugh, Moses Leota, Nathan Cleary, Paul Morowski, Spencer Lenu, uh, Stephen Crichton, Tyrone May, and Viliami Kikau. So yeah, that is ostensibly their full strength roster. Yeah, so like always, the um, final trial is really the the big hit out for all the clubs, and you maybe take a little bit more of a form line through that. It is still a trial; it's still different circumstance in terms of replacements and when they're used, those sorts of things. But you start to get a little bit more of an idea about what the combinations are going to look like. Yeah, and the big thing for both clubs will be getting through without any major injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, in years past, the Eels have actually come out a little bit banged up from this trial. I think uh, Manu Ma'u did his knee a couple of years back. Um, and did Micah get hurt one year? 
um, yeah, it, it's been because it's been played at such a physical level uh, between two pretty good rosters, as we know, in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, you sort of may end up with a few uh, bangs and bruises out of this one. And, and you even heard in that access uh, footage when VA was talking to the players and explained to them that the reason that the game was called 10 minutes early was that St George were down to uh, 12 players because of a, a few knocks and bruises and niggles. So they just called the trial early said that'll that'll do we're only going to have 12 players out on the field and um the eels were happy to end it there as well so um trials are a different beast you don't want those injuries so you do have that opportunity to take a player off if um you know when you when you feel they've had enough game time based on how they've gone in the preseason and what you really wanted them to get out of a trial now I suppose that's a question that's that's worth asking at this stage. What do we want out of a trial now? Because we only get all the experienced NRL players, they get one trial, and that's it. Yeah, So, and I mean, like we, we alluded to earlier, fortunately the Eels are pretty much unchanged in a lot of their key positions. So in that case, it's a you know a matter of shaking out the preseason rust and getting the you know cobwebs out of air and the sort of the loose errors that can happen when you're not fully conditioned for matches. So you'd expect that out of your core players, but you know th- there's also the challenge of the spine taking that next step. You know, having greater control of the game. You're looking at Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown there. You're looking at Reed Money expanding his offensive repertoire, um, perhaps engaging those markers a little bit more, like you've been talking about sixties. Um, and and for Gufferson, it's almost probably got to be the reverse. He's out there on his uh his uh preseason presser there talking about how he wants to play the full eighty minutes in the trial. So the Eels probably have to rein him back a little bit. You know, just get him um, on the field for that 60 minutes that we're talking about before getting a, a Sean Russell or a Jordan Rankin in there at fullback. I think from memory, there may have even been a game last year where, was it was it a win or a loss? But there was a game where Gutho was, was taken out pulled, of the game. pulled a couple early. of minutes early and he lost his shit. He was upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so that's that, the competitive nature when, that he brings to the team. Yeah, and when anyone is thinking about what do what does the game of rugby league mean to the players and when you see something like that when you realize the personal pride that's there in their performance from uh, from someone who's a captain like Gutho that's the sort of that's the sort of thing that really augurs well for the team as a whole when you've got a captain who is so invested in being out there with his teammates from the start to the finish, what a great platform that is for any club. Yes, sir. And um, you know, you can see the change in the the playing roster that sort of coincided with both him and Brad, you know, assuming the reins at the club and you know, and forging that new identity for the team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, anything else that you want to uh, look at or or? Well, you're, you're looking for you know guys like Papali'i and Dunster to really continue to push, um, not so much, well, for Hayes, it's got to be for a starting spot, obviously, but um, for Papali'i to just, you know, push push that selection envelope and, you know, give the coach a headache about where to play him because obviously he's almost locked in on the bench now, but you want him challenging and challenging and, and pushing those guys. So, yeah. And, and I think that he does offer that versatility as we've spoken about where he can play middle, he can play edge. And to an extent, Sean Lane's sort of shown that 
last year as well, where he can play some time in the middle. He can he's he's obviously more well regarded as an edge player, but you could see that there there was a thought there that he could be a middle player. So it might well be it could be that horses for courses that we've talked about, depending on who the opposition is, who lines up against them on the edges or in the middle, that um BA has the option that he could do a little bit of mix and match in the positions that they play. Absolutely. And I suppose the, the other bit of curiosity for me is the uh, sort of the new and improved Junior Paulo, how he's going to take to the field given that he's at a, a like staggeringly low weight relative to the rest of his playing career and how good he's been with the, the heavier KGs on, but um, just how mobile and, and potentially devastating he can be uh, with, was he 116 was what he measured in for the boxing contest? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and so he, I mean, he looked trim. Um, and, and by saying I look trim, he still looks like, you know, a, a brick shithouse. Like, he's huge. But he's still, you know, lifer than he's ever been before. So, yeah, really looking forward to that one. And I think that that keeps it into pers- in perspective when you start talking about he's still 116 kgs. Yeah. <laughs> That the the trim Junior Paulo is is still an absolute unit out there, and just based on what I've seen at training, he will offer, if anything, more of a challenge for the defence, not less of a challenge with carrying a few less kgs. And the other thing too is, man, just looking at him out there on the training track, he's enjoying life. It's he, he, I don't know whether that's a reflection on it. It's a bit easier to carry himself around out in the field, but, um, you know, he's, he just seems to have a smile on his face. And, uh, when he he's comes down near where we're watching, he gives us a, a smile and a wave and a good day and, and what have you. And, um, yeah, he just looks to be in a really good headspace out there on the training track. So, and, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in his first outing for the year. A quick shout out to his uh, stable mate in the front row, Reagan Campbell Gillard, who was revealed to have this week uh, alongside Paul Fawn helped save someone uh, in the surf, I believe. Um, helped uh, the surf life savers get out there as a first responder out in the water. So very, yeah, very well and done. And I think typically they was they they really didn't want to make too big a deal of it either. So um, look, it's I think for. All the negative publicity that happens with rugby league and rugby league players, and we don't want to see it. Uh, there's been unfortunate incidents over over the uh, new year and early part of the early part of January. But when all is said and done, there's an awful amount of good that goes on in the community with some really, really decent blokes that are involved in rugby league that represent our code. And um, I'm I'm glad that it did get brought out into the public eye that they were involved in this rescue because as much as there's there's blokes over the years that don't want things brought out because they're you know they're just they, as they say they're just doing what other people would do. Um, I still think it's important to highlight it because it gives you Absolutely. an important balance and perspective on on what these blokes are like. That's it, mate. And now before we close out another episode of the tip sheet, just a reminder to all voting eligible members of the PLC that uh, you have a, a chance to vote for the – it's the first uh, sort of uh, 
set of voting, isn't it, for a new board with the triennial yeah. election. So um, you've got the people standing for re-election alongside the people challenging for a spot on the board. So uh, regardless of where you're voting, make sure you uh, use your uh, legal... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your uh, privilege, your legal privilege as a member of the PLC to uh, cast a vote for the future of the club. Yeah, there was there was quite a uh, protracted battle that we went through to get constitutional change and part of that constitutional change has afforded the right for electronic and postal voting mm-hmm. whereas before we used to have to go and line up down at the club and um, cast your vote and there'd, there'd be all it, sorts of... In, to put it politely, it was a shit show. It was a like a oh, genuine yeah. shit show every time you had to go out and vote. Um, so thankfully with that constitutional reform, we've now got those uh, rights to vote by mail and electronically. So like I said, if you're eligible as a voting member of the PLC, and what is it, uh, 60s, is it three years uh, or four years? Yeah, uh, three years. But yeah, three I, years I membership. Wanna, and I want to get this message across too before uh, before anyone uh, decides they're at the end of the, the podcast today, is if you haven't received your voting papers, either electronically or by post, please check with the club because if if you haven't got it, then it, it is a matter of whether the club has a, an email address recorded for you or a postal address recorded for you. It's your right to vote. Please exercise it. And if you're receiving it electronically and uh, normally and it's not there, check your junk mail uh, just in case it's dropped into there. And if, if it's nowhere please get in touch with the club. Let them know you haven't received it as yet and they'll get that out to you. Uh, fix up their records, get it out to you as soon as possible. I know there's a lot of people who, when they first joined, they might have provided a postal address and since then they do a lot of their correspondence via email. If you, that's how you'd like to do it, um, please get in touch with the club and that whole process is really, really simple. I think it took me all of about a minute to... Uh, cast my vote and that was it so yeah. that's it mate um, and that'll just about do us for another episode of a tip sheet uh, be sure to catch all the action uh, from the junior reps on Saturday you can catch us on TCT com with a live blog this will also be streamed on NSWRL.com if you're so inclined to watch a game on a video feed which is really cool to see the young kids boys and girls out there getting um, a little bit of video action up there and then we'll be uh, making the trek out the Penrith, so we're going to have a little bit of a clash with the SG ball and the Jersey flag, but we'll try and get out there and cover those games too, depending the battery life on my computer, which has been failing me, unfortunately, in the last couple of weeks. So hopefully we've got a bit of a, a, a redundancy plan there this week uh, at New Era to get some power. Okay. Thanks, mate. Catch you guys next week.